Welcome to the Lord's Day here at Evergreen, and uh, this is a special day, and uh, today, today we're talking about treasuring Christ and the purpose of giving. What does our giving go to? That's important. We're not just giving just for the sake of giving. We want to know what the funds that God has given you to give to the church family, where are they going to? And it's incredible how practical our Lord is. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, the Lord spells out exactly where it should go to. It spells out the accountability that's required amongst the leadership so that we all feel good about where our money is going to. And, just, and also he ends up in exhorting us to be reliable in our giving. So three points here. So our, our Lord is incredibly practical. He lets us know what's going on. And if you haven't, I would just, just recommend as an as a, as a individual or as a family unit, go through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 these next couple weeks. It's very helpful. It's all, it, there's a, it's all there in terms of how we're called to give and the heart behind it. So let's rise. We'll be out of 2 Corinthians 8, 13 and, uh, through 15. And then we'll finish off at 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 5. But we'll just read these uh, first three verses together. I'll be reading at an NASB version. 2 Corinthians 8, 13. God says, For this is not for the ease of others, talking about our giving, and for your affliction, but by way of equality, the Bible says. Verse 14, At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that there may be equality. Verse 15, finishing up here, As it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Thank you for guiding us through this, Lord. May we treasure your son, Jesus Christ, more through the preaching of your word and through the act of giving, worshiping you through giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. So we're going to get to it right away. There's three major points I want to make. And the first Point is this, we, it, we give advancing the gospel in our giving. Point number one in verses 13, 14, 15, talk about this. The purpose for our giving. You want to know what this is going to. What are you actually investing into? All right, we're investing into eternal things. We're investing into things of, of the gospel. And right here, verse 13, Paul writes, For this is not for the ease of others. What is Paul talking about? Paul's saying you're not giving to the uh, Jerusalem church to make life easy for them. You're not just saying, okay, you guys could get on easy street and we're here to support you and that's all that happens. This is not what Paul's saying. This is not some, some unfair welfare system where someone is being completely supported by another. All right, This is basically saying, you know, we're helping them. We're meeting their needs, their basic needs. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this, every able person is supposed to work. That's what God says. So work is a glorious thing. Everyone should labor if you're able to. We get it. There's certain uh, situations with the illness or disabilities where people can't. Right? We get that. But if you're able, we're all called to work and contribute. And it says, Paul also says, this is not for your affliction. Paul's saying, I'm not just have, asking you to give to torture you, right? Or to challenge you unnecessarily, right? To make you feel uncomfortable. This is not to harm you, to distress you, or torture you. But verse 14, it says this, 
at this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need. Right now, God has sovereignly allowed the Corinthian church to give, to be in a position to help the Jerusalem church, right, to meet their needs. Providentially, the Corinthian church were in the position to meet needs. Perhaps you're in that position right now, right? Financially, perhaps you're in the high point of your earning power, and you're, able, you're in the position of helping another brother or sister or the church family out. Because there's a switch here. There's, after this uh, comma, of, uh, for, for, first part of verse 14, comma, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need. What Paul says is someday the tables may be turned. And instead of you being in a position to support somebody, you might be in the position of needing their support. And, and, and the, as I read this, circumstances change all the time. It, it, this is a reminder to be humble. I'm just going to read 1 Timothy uh, 6, 17 and through 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited. Be humble. Be humble about what you're able to do for another. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't fix your hope in your, how much you could gather or to, or to treasure up, as Pastor Dave talked about. Because it's uncertain. Things will change. Circumstances change. All it takes is one natural disaster to change our circumstances. Amen? That keeps us humble. That keeps us humble. But our hope should be fixed on God, the Bible says, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. God is the source of everything good that we have. Not our education, not our jobs, not our talents, not our opportunities, not our stock, stocks, not how wisely we're able to invest. God is the source of all good things. Verse 18, instruct them, those who have ability to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share. As Pastor Dan talked about, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future, eternity, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So what is the goal of this giving? If you're in a position to give like the Corinthians were, what is the goal? Bible says in verse 13, 14, I'll read it for us. By way of equality, verse 14, that there may be equality. What is this talking about? This is not talking about communism, okay? Our Lord isn't calling the church family to be exactly the same, or all church families to be exactly the same. It's not communism. It's not socialism where you pull all your resources and we just divvy it up that way. That's not what the Bible is talking about. This is talking about the goal of fairness or balance. Let's have some balance. There is something wrong if we're or somebody is living with ridiculous riches and another brother or sister is starving to death. There's something in balance there, right? So the Bible is talking about if you've been given an opportunity to give and support somebody in the church, local church, or universally, we should do it. Now, we get it. We, we, our resources are limited. We can't support everyone. But where has God led the leadership in our church to support? Perhaps the Lord has led our church family to support a church in a different part of the country or part of the, or, or part of the uh, world. 
Perhaps our church family is led to support a pastor who's bivocational. This is a good thing. This is a good thing that we get to do, not for sake of just being everything the same. Our church family, their church body is blessed with different things, different gifts, different personalities, different opportunities, different social economic classes. These are all from the Lord. We're called to be unique and different in some ways, but one in mind. And this is the deal. This, when you have equality, it promotes unity with one another. What the, when you know somebody has your back in, in, in an everyday sense, you feel a special connection with them. And when they know it's reciprocal, like they got your back as well, I got your back, it binds people together. And so this is what Paul is calling on. We give to meet the needs of the church. And in essence, we give and we're committed to the gospel. A church is strong and healthy. The gospel, the work of the gospel can be taking place. And in the Old Testament, verse 15, just real briefly, Paul take, makes, gives us an illustration. Verse 15, it says, As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little had no lack. What is he talking about? This is an Old Testament quote where well, the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. They were once slaves, but now they're free people. And they had, how are they going to eat? God gave them quail, birds to eat for meat. But God also provided this fine flake-like thing, the Bible describes, a fine flake-like thing. When the dew, morning dew evaporated, there was fine flake-like things, which they called manna on the ground, and they were called to gather as much as they needed, all right? And they would eat that. By, and, and obviously, people, people had different abilities to gather. People who were fit and young and able to gather much, they could gather more compared to some of us who are older or the little ones. They, they can't gather as much. The Bible says that some gathered more than others, and through it, everyone had enough. So the church family is built that way. For whatever reason, the Lord has blessed the churches in America. We've been put in the position to have plenty. All right? We're in providentially, other parts of the world, other parts of our country, they can't. They're not, they don't have as much. And the goal, like I said, is not communism. The goal is just equity, equality in terms of fairness, balance. Now, we had evergreen. We want to make heavenly investments. We want to, make, we want to invest into heavenly stocks. We want to invest into people. So uh, I want to do some explaining per section here. How does this influence our act of spending here at Evergreen? Actually, where does your monies go to that you give to the Lord? First thing it goes to is to fund personnel. That's people like me, pastors and administrative staff. You fund our benefits, our, 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 our salaries. We're grateful. The church family is incredibly gracious and generous. Thank you for allowing uh, us to serve this way. I still, as I'm singing right now, I was thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm actually here doing this. And it's because you guys have made it possible. Thank you. Thank you. We know of pastors who need to work Bivocationally, two jobs to, to do the work of a pastor. Thank you that you allow the pastors and the admin staff here to do this full time, not having to be so focused about earning an outside income. Thank you. The other things that this your giving goes to is it, it funds the campus and the, and the operational costs, the lights that we have here. We told you that the, the, out of the general fund that we're going to pay for the mortgage, 
We have our, our, our fine sheriff back there. These are the things where these happen, where security and insurance, those things that are to protect our church, this is where your giving goes to. Third thing, ministries. Your fun, your, the funds that you're able to give, the offerings that you give, funds ministries. Think of the Mexicali trips that our youth goes to. Think about, think about the opportunities to serve ministries that we have, to go to Houston to serve other people. Think of just, just uh, activities that we have during the summertime. The offerings go to fund various ministries here at our church. Retreats, food pantry, there's so many things that are going on. Fourth thing that your funds go to support missionaries. We have Brother Ian and Sister Sabrina out in Japan. We had Sister Ann share today was in East Asia. We have domestic missionaries here who are sitting amongst us right now who, go to, who are involved in missionary endeavors and ministry groups. Those are your funds that are going to support some of these men and women of our church family. Outreach uh, opportunities such as options here to care for women who are going through uh, unplanned pregnancies. All right? These things, supporting Don Julian, these are the things where the funds go to, okay? And the stewardship of the church, I mean, I take this very seriously. As a pastor of the church, I used to be a lay person at one time, and I, I know you're trusting the church family, the church leadership to steward this well. You know, you're not just throwing this hard-earned money that God gave you away. This is going to some gospel advance. This is important for us to understand this. We take this serious. So the purpose is in our givings, advance the gospel. Advance the gospel, as Pastor Dan said that. So others will treasure Christ to evangelize people who are lost, who do not know Christ. This is what this is going towards. You, in effect, you are going with us who are full-time vocational or missionaries on the mission field. You, we are part of all this together. We're trying to evangelize people with the message of the gospel so they do treasure Christ. And also, we're... We're hoping to advance the gospel so that people treasure Christ more. It's called sanctification. It's more than just, I know Christ and I'm saved. It's a lifelong thing. Do we understand the gospel more? Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the treasure of my life. I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do I understand some of those things so that I'm growing in my love for Christ through this? Point number one. That's point number one. Your funds, the things that are given are meant to advance the gospel here at Evergreen SGB. Now, before I get to the second point, I want to give a little bit of a background here. Paul writes 2 Corinthians, and Paul loved the Corinthian church. I don't know if he spent any more time or energy in, in, in Corinth. I mean, like I said earlier in Acts last week, I think I said it last week, 18 months he spent in Corinth. 18 months! He spent two of his understudies, Timothy and Titus, to come visit and to take care of the Corinthian church. He wrote four letters to the Corinthian church. So he loved the Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians has been particularly devotional for me because as a pastor, Paul opens up the vault of his heart. He lets the people know what he's thinking. He, he shares the bleeding that's going on in his heart with the Corinthians. And, and so there's an issue that came up for Paul in Corinth. There's false prophets or false apostles who rose up in the ranks in Corinth. And basically, they wanted to take over the Corinthian church. And Paul, being the head or the leader under Christ, they wanted to discredit Paul from being the apostle of the Corinthian church. 
And so they, they would basically try to discredit Paul to take over. They said, they called Paul a, a self-appointed apostle. He's not really an apostle. They're, they attacked his credentials by that way. They even attacked him in just very basic things. They, they attacked his appearance and said he's unimpressive looking. They said things like this, these false uh, apostles to the Corinthian church. They said his preaching, and the Corinthians were educated, they're sophisticated, they're into Greek philosophy, and this is, his preaching was weak, unsophisticated, lacks eloquence. So they were just bashing Paul. And they said his style, Paul's style, he was too zealous. Man, he's taking this Jesus thing too seriously. He's calling people to repentance. He's calling people for sanctification. Man, this Paul, he's, he's way too zealous. Way too zealous. He's, taking the, he's way too into sanctifying the sheep. And what was harm, hurtful for him was also he's asking the Corinthians to give. And the false apostles are saying he's just simply lining his pockets with your giving. They're attacking his character. And can you imagine Paul visiting the Corinthian church? Imagine Paul visits uh, Evergreen SGV and then these false prof, uh, apostles are publicly shaming him, publicly saying these things to him. And the Corinthian church, they just sat on their hands and said nothing. That just caused Paul a lot of heartache. Right? Where's the loyalty? Where's all that time we spent? Where's all that genuine fellowship that we had? So this leads into my second point here. Accountability in our giving. Paul knew this. Paul knew that the false apostles were going to try to say, see, all he wants is your money. You can't trust him. See, he's calling on a big collection. He's just going to use it for himself. He's not a legitimate apostle. So verse 20 and 21 here. Look what's on his mind. Verse 20 says, Taking precaution so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift, this lavish gift. Taking precaution, verse 21, for we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Paul needed to take careful steps as he asked for giving to the Jerusalem church. Paul knew that he did not want to give any extra ammunition to these false apostles. Paul knew that he was a target. Paul knew where they would go. Paul knew that he needed to be above reproach in this whole process. He needed to avoid accusation. Because the Bible says that he gave this uh, generous gift, this lavish gift that he was calling upon. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And he cared about being honorable in front of the Lord and also people. Accountability, Paul's talking about here. He, he obviously answered to the Lord. That mattered more than anything else. But it also mattered what the perception of the Corinthians were. This is clearly important. And so what comes to mind as, as, uh, on my travels as a, as a, in my old life, we used to travel different cities and play games. And one of my favorite cities that I like to go to, for whatever reason, we played this team a ton of times. They weren't in our division, was the, the Carolina Panthers. And I, like not, I didn't like going to Carolina necessarily for the barbecue and stuff like that, although they have good food. I like going there because I like visiting the Billy Graham Library. All right? I don't know if you guys have been there, but the Billy Graham Library is not like a library. It's more of a uh, museum. And it's pretty neat. It's inspiring just seeing like, wow, Billy Graham. 
maybe our modern day Paul, perhaps, you know, just, just preaching the gospel to all kinds of people and throughout the nations. And, and as I studied his life some, Billy Graham in 1948, way back, 1948, way back, early on in his ministry, he was called to be an evangelist. He used to travel from city to city. Los Angeles was a big place where a lot of his ministry was started. In 1948, he and his partners met up in Modesto, California. You know, if you guys have been to Modesto, Central Valley, Central Valley of California. And they came up with policies to help guard their ministry. Right? And it was called the Modesto Manifesto. In essence, the, since he was a traveling evangelist, and he, he, he was famous to some levels, he was, and people, he was popular, and he, they put up some safeguards to make sure that nothing, there's no room to jeopardize the work of evangelism and the work that God has called him to. So he had certain policies where he would never be alone with a, a woman. He will not travel alone. I mean, I've heard stories where, I, whether I read it or heard, I'm not quite remembering, but where he would check into a hotel room. I totally get it. I know what it's like going into a bunch of hotel rooms on the road. Where he would have his partners, his associate, go into the room first, check out. There's no one in there to take, like, to kind of hijack him or to take some weird pictures of him to, and to call his character into question, make sure there's no one in there. And he goes, all right, Billy, you could come in now. I mean, that's how much, how serious he took this. And, and the whole idea is he didn't want to discredit the ministry. And it mattered to, the, to him what the perception of the ministry was like. It mattered to him that his character was above reproach. And so Billy Graham also, this whole Modesto Manifesto also carried into how they did the finances. They would, get, they would collect money, as you could imagine, traveling around. And so it carried into the finances, and he did not want to do, create any space where, the, where anyone could call into question his character, which would jeopardize the ministry. So what did Paul do here now? What did Paul do? Perhaps Billy Graham read 2 Corinthians 8 or something. I don't know, but what did, the, what did Paul do? And the Lord directed Paul to assemble a team to collect the money. He didn't go himself to collect the money. 2 Corinthians 8 says... He formed a three-man team. Titus, this is Paul's personal understudy. All right, this is the one that he trained. And second, he was a famous gospel preacher, maybe a, a Billy Graham of the day. And thirdly, a tested, trusted brother who was familiar to the Corinthians. He sent these three men to gather the funds. There's genius in that. God cares about the accountability of how we steward our finances and how we administrate this. Verse 16 and 17 says this. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. Titus had this desire to go to be part of this work. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, having this desire himself, he has gone to you of his own accord. So Timoth, uh, Titus wanted to go. And, and as I think to our church family, do we follow any of these principles here? Do we follow any of these guidelines? And as I was thinking and praying about this, I want to give you guys assurance that there's accountability here at Evergreen SGV. This is important for me to express this to the church family. We often talk about, hey, trust in our leadership, submit to leadership. We talk about that, but I think it's a two-way street. We could do our part to make sure everyone feels comfortable in the area of giving. Titus was 
personally involved with Paul. So he knew this man. He was in constant communication with him. Titus was a man that was known to the Corinthian church as he entered, uh, sent by Paul. I have people in our staff that serve as this. One man that comes to mind is Pastor Kevin Cho. You guys know who he is, many of us. He's our church administrator. He is my liaison to the trustees. And if I have any questions about budgets or finances, he's the guy I go to. He's a trusted man. I trust him. There's a man like that in place and others. Who's the second person that went? Verse 18 and 19. Read with me. We have sent along with him the brother whose fame in the things of the gospel has spread through all the churches. Who is this famous preacher? doesn't say. But he didn't have any, they didn't need names for him. They knew who he was. And not only this, he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work. The churches appointed this man. This is an outside source from Paul. This was not someone in Paul's inner circle. This is important now. So this is not just, this Paul is, perhaps God is guarding Paul from being accused of favoritism or just operating with this within your own circles. This is important, isn't it not? Is this not important? And so Evergreen SGV, we have an outside auditor, external auditor who audits what we do with our finances. I mean, this is important that we know this. We have an external bookkeeper who counts and counts our finances. This is important that we have this. This is not someone associated to me or the leadership necessarily. This is an external thing. Just like this famous gospel preacher, he was outside of Paul, although Paul might have known him. This is not Paul's personal understudy as Titus was. The third person, turn with me to verse 22. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things, but now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. This, this brother, as I studied him, is still unknown, another unknown man, but he has history with the Corinthian church. They know who he is. When, they, when he shows up, he's like, who are you? They know who he is. They know Titus. They know uh, this brother. They, they know the other guy because he's famous. But this man is a man who has good reputation, who's been tested, and who's been found faithful over and over again. At Evergreen SGV, who do we have here? Matt Chin is our newest treasurer, and Brother Matt Chin is the one who is overseeing a lot of these finances. If I, if I, have, if I, if I have a question that goes beyond Kevin, I'll go to Matt. What do you think about this? He'll tell me. He produces reports. He answers to the board. He, he, he answers to the trustee, heads up the trustees that we have, a group of people heading up these area finances for our church. Matt Chin is that man. We have Keith Fukuyama, who is our board moderator. We have a church board who also oversees these things. So we have people in place. So I just want to give us assurance here at Evergreen SGV. There's a lot of different people lay in staff, internal and external, to help us keep, keep things accountable to one another. This is important. This is important to our Lord. Look, it's in the scriptures. This is important to our Lord that we handle these things well. To ensure that the giving goes to advance the gospel. Plain and simple. The purpose is to advance the gospel. This is why we do this. Third point. Final point here is this. 
is the reliability in our giving. I'm going to take time to read these, uh, these uh, six verses here, verse 24 to verse 5 of chapter 9. Therefore, therefore, Paul says, therefore, since we're sending this team of delegates here, therefore, Corinthians, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. Paul was boasting and bragging about the Corinthians and their generosity. For it is superfluous. That means unnecessary. I have to look that up. Unnecessary for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know that your readiness or your eagerness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Meaning, when Paul talked about the Corinthian church, how they're eager to give initially, it fired up the Macedonians. It fired up other regions to give. It's like, wow, the Corinthians are in, uh, wanted to do this. Man, I, I want to get involved too. Maybe, remember, the Macedonians begged Paul to participate. So the Corinthians' eagerness to begin got things rolling and finishing for other churches. Okay, verse 3. But it's finished time, Paul's saying. It's finished time. It's great that you started well. Now it's finished time, Corinthians. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case. Meaning, meaning what I brag to them about you will actually be fact. It's really going to happen. As, that I, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this, by, uh, by this confidence. It's going to be embarrassment. It's going to be a shameful thing. I'm the, I've hyped you up to the Macedonians. So if they come and go, man, thank you, we're partnering in this. Like, what? You actually weren't as generous as Paul talked about? Not a good thing. Not a good thing. And so Paul's encouraging the Corinthians to finish well. And, and, and in essence... I believe our church family at Evergreen SGV is known to be generous. Is that not? I believe we are. I've experienced it on a personal level. Our, our family's experienced it on a personal level. The fact that we're in this building and this property is, is evidence of that. The Corinthians saw themselves as generous. You know, for whatever reason, uh, things were halted for them. Perhaps the false apostles were hindering and, and, and uh, the giving. But just like Paul's exhorting the Corinthians, saying, hey, you're generous, church. Follow through with what you said. I will say the same thing with our church family. We are a generous church. Follow through with who we are in Christ. And here's a word about, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, Flag, uh, we had flag, uh, five flag campaigns, and man, praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being so generous. Thank you for allowing us to be here. All right, thank you. I'll say this much. We're not having a formal campaign, but if, it, if you are giving joyfully, sacrificially, and you're able to, I would recommend you continue to do the same. It is that there's no commitment cards to fill. This is between you and the Lord. If you're able to, this is what we're this is what we're talking about. If it's a joyful, it's sacrificial, it's regular. This is what we're talking about. We're not calling on a campaign. I didn't think we needed one. I didn't think that was best for our church family. 
It's a whole nother. And if you haven't been participating, perhaps you're new, or perhaps you've been here for a while and you have been participating, there are faithful brothers and sisters who've been sacrificing this way. This is our time to come together. And I'm not just talking about the first fruits giving now. That's just one unique, a special appeal that we're making. I'm talking on a regular basis. This is a time we come together as a church family and participate in this awesome work that we're doing. This is the most exciting time to be here at Evergreen SUV. Look at the potential here at Evergreen SUV for the gospel to be spread throughout the San Gabriel Valley and the world. There's, there's no coincidence why we're here now. This is an exciting time, and this is an opportunity to be part of this. Verse 5 here, finishing up here, brothers and sisters. It says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on head, of, head to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift to encourage you. I sent this, this group to you guys. Why? So that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift. The same thing that you said you would give would be ready and not affected. This is the enemy to, um, to generosity, not affected by covetousness. Covetousness, greed. Greed is the enemy to being generous. Greed is the enemy. 1 Timothy uh, 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Hoarding is the root of all sorts of evils. Hoarding finances, the love, you love it. You treasure it, right? As Pastor Dan talked about it, I love how we're all in sync here. This is what we're talking about. Do you or I treasure our finances more than Christ? This is the enemy to being generous. In essence, Paul is saying, look, Corinthians, let your yeses be yes, let your noes be no. Keep your word. Keep your word. This is way more important. This is going to be a massive witness. Be true to who God has called us to be, is what he's saying. To finish up here, I want to just say this much. This, is, this message was a little different for me in the sense that it's in, I just marvel at how the Lord makes it so clear. If you just look at the book, it tells you what to do. Our Lord tells us how to lead our church through the, through the scriptures. It's very clear. But one of the drawbacks is this. I don't want us to listen to this and say, oh, I got it. There's some principles. Here's some, here's some methods. This is what we're supposed to do. That's important. I want to preach this to demonstrate this is what we're doing. But every time you look at the book, every time you read the scriptures, hear me now, brothers and sisters. You should ask one thing of the Lord. Lord, what am I learning about you right now? How am I getting a clear picture of you, Lord Jesus, through giving to the gospel, through accountability, through reliability of giving? What am I actually learning about Christ? Because my aim and the leadership aim is not to just say, oh, this is how, you, how we are accountable to one another. That's important so you gain trust in the leadership what the Lord is doing. But how are you elevating your view of Christ through this? This is what I'm interested in making sure. that This may be the high point of the sermon. And so I ask you this. What are you learning about Christ through this right now? What are you learning about Jesus through this preaching right now? Think about it. You keep it to yourself. Think about it. I'll, I'll give you my opinion on what, what you should perhaps consider. But think about it. What are you actually learning about Christ so you treasure him more, right? That's the point, that we treasure Christ. What are you learning about him? What I see clearly is this. 
Christ is passionate about his church, that his church is taken care of. He's passionate, so passionate, he cares about the details and how these things execute it. It absolutely matters to him as he says, I will build my church here at Evergreen SGV in other parts of the world. I will build my church. Remember how we talked about the shrewd steward a couple weeks ago in the parable? Jesus is way more shrewd than any of us. He is going to make sure every cent is going to gospel advance. Every penny matters to him. And that gets me excited. This is, not, this is not just some random thing, hey, let's give to the church. Christ cares about you and me that much. Christ cares about building his church that much. Therefore, we should care about building the church as much as Christ cares about building his church. We don't get to build anything. We just get to be part of it. And somehow God graciously allows us to be part of this. Add that to your to your mind of who Christ is. Because as Pastor Dan and I were um, part of a, a, a conference this weekend, I got to be part of a day of it, and it was wonderful. Brother Deepak from uh, uh, Washington, D.C. comes and says this, you have to have an accurate view, an accurate theology of who God is in order to worship him properly. You can have a faulty view of Christ. This adds to your view like this, Lord, you are meticulous. Yes, Lord, you care about the details. Yes, Lord, you care about accountability. You care that your church is built. So anyone who's, who, who, who's in a business, who's a good business person, you know how shrewd you are with your things because you want to grow that business as, as, as big as possible. I get that. Anyone who's trying to build up any teams knows how shrewd you can be to build up your team. Anyone who's shrewd about discipling your family to love Christ, you know how every single opportunity is a teachable moment. You're looking for those opportunities. God is that much more involved and interested in building up our church here at Evergreen and everywhere else. Remember this thought now, as we're talking about giving. Jesus wants to get what he paid for. I know we're into deals and all that as we go Christmas shopping, so we're going to be looking for deals, right? and you want to get a good deal. Jesus wants to get what he paid for. What does that mean? Jesus went to the cross to pay for us. He wants to get what he paid for. He wants full, complete sanctification, as much sanctification to take place in all of our hearts so that we could be as effective as possible to help build his kingdom. He wants to get what he paid for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to uh, pray and, and preach. Thank you that we're able to see, Jesus, that you are so detailed. You care about how your church is built. Father, I thank you that you have this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Thank you that you have this, uh, how, how you see to it that it's important that the funds are going to the gospel advance, that you care about accountability and how the funds are spent. You care about us being reliable and true to our word and what we're going to do to contribute to this. So, Father, I pray that your son will continue to build your church here at Evergreen SUV and in the San Gabriel Valley and throughout the world, Lord. But we know a church is not about a building or a property. We know this. You're building our hearts, Lord, that, to be pillars of truth for you, Lord. 
So God, I pray, Lord, that this giving series is sanctifying our hearts. Lord, I pray your word is, is burrowing into our bones and our hearts so that we will get on fire for you more. I thank you for this opportunity to preach on giving, Lord. What a privilege. You do care about this. You make it clear that you do, Lord. And so, Father God, I pray you are honored through this. And I pray, Lord, that family units, giving units, will be wrestling over this this week and praying and earnestly seeking after you, searching through the scriptures, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, other parts of the word as well, looking for guidance, Lord. And I pray there will be great joy next week. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.